Well, let's go ahead and, and uh, get started with our uh, Romans uh, Sunday School. Continue, and hopefully we'll finish up in, uh, we'll finish chapter one today, but uh, as usual, we'll just uh, see how it goes. But let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer. Lord, we, we thank you and we praise you for um, this time that we have and who you are. We acknowledge that you deserve to be praised, uh, not for the things that you've done for us, but simply because of who you are. And, and so, Lord and Father, as we open up your word, I just pray that um, we would do so with, uh, with submission and with discernment. And, Lord, that you would just bless this time that we have. And, and Father, it's just so encouraging to see so many other people that, um, that do want to study your word and, and, and to learn, but also to, to bring their wisdom and knowledge um, uh, to share with others. So, Father, we thank you for the body of Christ, and we thank you for this uh, country that we have that we can still study your word. Uh, we pray for our leaders. We pray for your church throughout the world. And, Father, we know that there are many who do not have the, the liberties and the blessings that we have, and so we, we, just, so we don't take them for granted, and we just lift, lift those up, those Christians who are struggling in other parts of the world. Um, we just lift them up to you. And so, Father, um, just again, bless this time and bless the service to follow. In Christ's name, amen. Okay. Romans chapter 1. We went through verses 18 through 21 last week. And... Uh, this week we're, we're going to be talking about uh, God's wrath on unrighteousness and the decline of man. And that's really, if I was to put a, a subheading or a heading on these verses from chapter, uh, I'm sorry, verses 21 uh, through uh, the end of the chapter here, it's really, again, God's wrath on unrighteousness, which ought to serve as a reminder to us whenever it comes to our behavior in aligning ourselves to unrighteousness. God's wrath is revealed against unrighteousness. And so, no, we're not under the law, and all things are lawful for us, but not everything is expedient, not everything builds up. And we understand that most of the, thing that God, most of the things that God wants from us is to protect us from ourselves, because whenever we're not listening to him, we're going to be listening to our own hearts, which is a very dangerous place to be. We're going to be listening to the world. The world is an unrighteous place. And so um, God's shared his truth um, out of his love for us. And so these, the, the, these last few verses in here are going to talk about God's wrath on unrighteousness. And as a result of man choosing unrighteousness instead of God, uh, we see the decline of man. We see the decline of civilization. We've talked a little bit about the fact that as Christians, um, most of us have, have heard the questions of, uh, oh, yeah, if, if God is such a good God and if, God, if the Bible is true, then what about those people who are going to be condemned to hell and maybe they've never heard the gospel? Um, the, story, the story of mankind is, is a story of God who's revealed the truth to the world, and it's, it's man who's rejected God. It's not God who's rejected man. And so um, whenever we look at the scriptures, we reveal that uh, or we're re it's revealed to us a God of love, a God of compassion, a, a God who desires um, for us to know the truth. And so 
we, we need to understand that about our God. We serve a good God, uh, not a God who's, who's a slave driver, not a God who's, who's looking for a reason to condemn us. The world has this in its mind, uh, and, and I had it too before I was a believer. I'm, I'm sure most of you did. But the idea, we, we, have it, we had it in our mind that man is essentially good. That's, that's a lie. Man is not essentially good. And what I mean is, is that left to ourselves and without God's input, without the spirit of God that indwells us, we are not good. And, and so we ask those questions as though man is good and who is God to condemn a good person. You know, they donate to charity and they do this and they do that as if that makes them good. I'll tell you what defines good or bad in God's eyes is are you going to give him glory and honor or not? And see, that is the purpose of man. Man was created in flesh for the purpose of glorifying God. That's the reason for, for creation. And so when, when man chooses to not do that, but instead do something else, they can do all the good works they want, but that doesn't make them good. And, and that's what I see that's being explained here in Romans chapter 1, is the fact that man is not good. Man has never been good. Unless God has intervened, man has not been good. Any comments or disagreements? Just hang out in the daycare for an hour. <laughs> You'll see that we're not good yeah. from the beginning. Yeah, it's, you, don't have to, you don't have to teach people to lie. You know, there's this mindset that's being, uh, I, I've seen the, you know, Facebook memes out there. And, and, and there, it is true. The scripture even supports that um, bad morals generally comes from bad doctrine. That's what scripture says. You want to know how important doctrine is? It, it, you have bad doctrine, it's going to lead to bad morals. And so it is true that, that, you know, what we're exposed to affects us. But have you seen those memes that, that you have um, a, a white child and a black child who come together and they suggest that racism is taught? No, racism is not taught. Racism is built within us. You go to any group out there, any people group in this world, I don't, America is not the only country with racists. China, Africa, everywhere has it. Why? It's because of the flesh. It's in us. And so um, it, it's a lie to think that we have to be taught to sin. No, we sin because we're sinners. And the only thing that ever is going to re remedy that is the truth of God's word and God's intervention. And so um, this, this, what we're seeing here is this decline of man is because man chose not to glorify God as God and then they took the truth of God and turned it into something else. And that's another thing entire, entirely. In other words, taking something that um, God has said and changing the truth. I'll give you an example. One of the biggest ones is love. You go ask somebody, you know, who's not a Christian, what is love? What do you think you might get defined? Emotion. Emotion. You know, you know acceptance. Accepting people for who they are. Is, is either of those biblical? No. And, and so the world has redefined the truths of God into something else. And, and that's what we're seeing that's taking place here in Romans chapter 1 is the description of those things taking place. And because of man doing that, 
we saw, as we've already talked about, it says that God basically turned man over to himself. Okay, you don't, you don't want me? All right, you know, you've been handed over. And that's what, what these verses are telling us. So let's go ahead and jump on in here unless there's any other comments. But wasn't in the very beginning when he made us, we were good then, correct? Yeah, for about a half a day. Yep. Yep. And that's a very good point that you bring that up, because you know that's the other argument that's 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 lied about there. Oh well, if I'm this way, it's God's fault because God made me this way. (laughs) You want to talk about a big lie that's out there? Your point is exactly right. No, God made man good. God gave man the perfect environment, and I and I've shared with you before. I believe Adam sinned. Uh, on day seven, the day God rested, the day God rested. So it la- I personally believe he lasted all of one day, not even a full day before he sent. And, and so um, God placing man in that perfect environment, man chose to sin from the beginning. And so, but God made man perfect, gave him a perfect place. And yet we, uh, we want to say today as though God made us this way. No, and what's a shame is is Christians that don't have have an answer to this stuff because the answers are right here for us to understand exactly what Leneve is talking about, that God made us and gave us a perfect good environment and we contaminated it. And so, all right, Romans chapter 1. We're going to start reading from verse 19 just to get a couple of verses of context here. Um, Romans 1.19, it says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it unto them. Talking about the wrath. Wrath, well, I better read verse 18. So, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Which is, things that are made, which is all of us, right? You know. Even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse, because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. And so here in these verses here, we're seeing that they knew God, but yet they chose not to glorify him as God and neither were thankful People, again, uh, often wonder, what is God's will from my life? Well, in Paul's epistles, he makes it very clear for you. The first thing he wants you to do is be thankful for all things. Notice how it says they weren't thankful. You know, God's will and God's desire for us is to be content and to be giving him thanks. Our life may not be as good as the next person in the, in a, as it relates to finances or, or any, any other matters. Um, but God has blessed us, especially the believer, especially the Christian. And it says here that, you know, they weren't thankful and when, at the same time whenever they didn't glorify him as God. Well, we need to be thankful. 
And, and, and some of the wisest people in the world will start their day simply by giving thanks to God. It's going to reset your mindset as you begin to think of the blessings that you, that you have. Chances are you woke up with a roof over your head. Chances are down here in Florida we woke up with air conditioning. Chances are we have clothes. Chances are that if I lost my job today or if, if some medical emergency happened, I live in a country that is as bad as I think it's getting. I'm still blessed to be in this country because I'm probably not going to starve to death because I can go get food stamps. I, I have so many blessings. And we're so busy thanking other people, but we never seem to thank God. I shouldn't say never, but too often, too often he's not the one that gets the thanks and the praise and so uh, let us let us be mindful of, of giving him thanks but in these two verses we see that it's the it's foolishness there's a foolishness in giving god's glory to another that's literally foolishness to give what belongs to god to another and another you can fill in the blank you can you can um, fill in it with with someone else or yourself or whatever uh, and so here we see it's it's not worshiping God is what was their problem. That's what it says here. Look, verse 21, Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish hearts were darkened. In other words, they weren't worshiping God, and that was their problem. It isn't, as the verse said before, as it said above that, it wasn't, the problem wasn't that they didn't know God. It wasn't the fact that they needed God to to expose himself to them, it was because when they knew God, they didn't glorify, they didn't worship him as God. Look at Psalm 29, verse 2. Psalm 29, verse 2, which means we'll start at which verse, Mike? One. One. Psalm 29.1, give unto the Lord, O ye mighty, give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. You know, if every day you woke up, woke up with those verses on your mind, how it's going to change your day. And just kind of reset our mind. Um, on on what is truly important. Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. His name deserves it. How how much you feel blessed, the emotions like Tim brought up, that of the emotional aspect of it is not a matter of how much, you know, God deserves the glory. And so here back in Romans, it's because when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God. It was the problem. So because they didn't glorify him, there's ramifications. There's domino effects, is what I like to say, for our actions. Sometimes it may take years for it to, to, to be seen. Sometimes it may take moments. But there are, there are ramifications for our actions, and, and one of the biggest ramifications this world has ever seen is when the world chose not to glorify God as God. And then we see this decline of man. So assigning to others... What belongs to God is, by the definition here, it is foolishness, it's morally wicked, and it makes you an idolater. When you take your thoughts to the, to the level, 
Because I'm here to tell you, if you're not giving God the glory, I guarantee you're giving something else or someone else the glory. And what do you think that idolatry is? Sometimes idolatry might be a new car. Sometimes idolatry might be a new boat or, or your job. You know, one of the biggest problems we have in society right now is, is, is because there aren't enough good, godly Christian husband and men um, who, are, who are teaching their children the right way to grow up. They've made their job an idol. Or sometimes pleasing their wife or sometimes pleasing their children or pleasing themselves, go through a midlife crisis or whatever. But the fact of the matter is, is, is that whenever you put something above giving God the glory that's due to him, that becomes idolatry. And we have to understand that. Turn me to Acts chapter 14. We see here Paul um, and some people that wanted to worship him and Barnabas. Acts chapter 14, turn to verse 11. This is when the people saw that what Paul had done, and so what Paul had done was some, some of his signs of an apostle. Um, and so whenever the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices saying in the speech in Lyconia, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Now, when you attribute somebody else as God, what are you doing? Yeah, you've all said it. Giving God's glory to someone, something else. And that's exactly what they do. They saw something and they didn't rightly handle it. We can't let our, you know, should they have been amazed at the things Paul did? Yeah. Should they have questioned? Yeah. But is that ever an excuse to then all of a sudden say that man is a God? No. A lot of people who love their, their, their pastors of their megachurches, especially the ones that say they can heal people. They said the gods, verse 11, have come down to us in the likeness of men, verse 12, and they called Barnabas Ju- Jupiter and Paul Mercurius because he was the chief speaker. Verse 13, and the priests, the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen and garlands under the gates and would have done sacrifice with the people which when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of, they rent their clothes and ran in among the people, crying out, saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you, and preach unto you that you should turn from what? These vanities. What are these vanities that he's talking about? Say a little louder. What did you say, Mike? Idolatry. What were they doing? Taking something that belonged to God, attributed to man. It's a vain thing. And he's saying that, that you need to turn from this thing unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein, who in times past suffered all nations to walk in their own ways. What do you think that's a reference to? It's kind of the stuff we're talking here in Romans chapter 1. Nevertheless, notice verse 17. Nevertheless, he left not himself without a witness. And for those, for those who, again, who get asked that hard question, what about those who never knew? Put this verse in the front of your Bible with a note that's saying, somebody asked this, I can go to this verse right here. He did not leave himself without a witness. God's never left himself without a witness. 
In, in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and, food and gladness. And you say, well, how is that a witness? How is that a witness? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. I mean, you don't, you don't have to have a, a degree from MIT, have a science degree, or taught how scientific theory works to understand that, that again, we've talked about it before, something comes from someone. Babies come whenever events happen. It's not as though all of a sudden you have spontaneous things. And so whenever you have rain, when you have seasons, when you have the sun, when you have all of these things, and the scripture says, as we talked about last week, all you had to do is look up and you can see God. That is a witness from God. And all it takes, if somebody really wants to know the truth, I don't care what generation they lived in, I don't care what time frame they lived in, if you wanted to know the truth, if you wanted to, to begin to understand that there is a God, the, the testimony was all over the place. And that's what Romans 1 is talking about. And so these people um, decided that they didn't want to give, give God the glory. And so the book of Romans here, especially these uh, last verses of chapter 1, uh, is telling us that God's wrath is coming upon those who did this very thing. That's what, it, that's what he's, the book of Romans is telling us. This chapter 1 is telling us is that that because they didn't want to give him the glory, um, they wanted to assign to others um, what belonged to God, um, that is going to bring God's wrath. Matter of fact, what's the situation with the Antichrist? They're going to ascribe to the Antichrist the glory that belongs to the true Christ. And that's whenever things are going to be uh, come to a culmination. So... Verse 22 is a good reminder that denying God or refusing to give him glory will result in lifting someone or something else up. It will. Each and every time, if you're not giving God the glory, then whether you're doing it subconsciously or consciously, you are giving it somewhere else. And that's verse 22 is a very good reminder of that. And we see that, I think, with um, today, um, people, whenever it comes to the earth, if they don't want to give God the glory, God who says that he's, he's never going to destroy the world, with, uh, the world with a flood again, right? And what do we have? We have all this talk about if we don't implement this new tax, of course they want it, if we don't Im- Im- implement all these changes, then, then, then climate change is going to wipe off the face of the earth, right? Well, I already know that's not going to happen. Why do I know that's not going to happen? Because this says so. I know that this earth is going to be destroyed, and I also know when it's going to happen. And who's going to do it? And so we've replaced God, his decision to judge unrighteousness. And the judgment that comes, we've replaced that with the belief system that that it's uplifting ourselves and these things that we're going to do. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be a good steward um, with, with a certain amount of common sense. But whenever you're going to lift up the earth instead of God, that becomes a problem. Um, humanity, we've already given examples of, of, of whenever you replace the truth of God and giving him glory and we somehow want to uh, have pride in ourselves. Maybe that's pride in the sense of, of, the, of the homosexual kind, you know, the pride movement and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it, it's, it's everywhere you look. It's the idea of some sort of a humanistic or even animal worship. I mean, people... 
People are being hounded because they go hunting and they share a picture of it on social media because of animal worship. And, and I don't know, maybe you're not aware of that, but yeah, I mean, people, people are, are, are literally getting death threats, which is just amazing to me that, that somebody would threaten somebody's life because they killed an animal. Wait a minute, life is so precious, it's okay for you to kill a human because they hunted an animal? I mean, it's just preposterous. In humanity, again, we see it in homosexuality. We see it in, in um, the gender argument, um, in, in um, education and business. Um, Christians are barely tolerated. Go, 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 to, go to a business. And, and there are certain businesses that are example. And I, I know of some. Val worked for Tidewell, and they were, they're um, very open to, um, to faith. Um, but generally speaking, you go say, hey, I want to organize a Bible study. With my with my coworkers, that's going to get shot down. Now, say you want to put together put together some group group that's going to talk about racism. That's going to promote PETA. That's going to promote climate change awareness. That's going to promote. I mean, you name it, fill in the blank. Whether it's school or whether it's business, um, Christians are. are are barely tolerated. Try to promote Christ or the Bible, and you will be stopped for the most part. It's just going to continue to get worse. And so um, what's happened is man has decided to, even in this country, this short, this country that's only been around for 200 and something years, where we've come from and to where we are to now, I mean, I'm not that old, but I, I can remember the 80s. And... and <laughs> And what I mean by that is, is, does anybody else think we're in a different world versus the 80s? <laughs> Mike's over there laughing. How far back do you remember, Mike? I'm not going to ask. Back to the 40s. Yeah. And so, um, but the differences are just crazy how quick we've come. Why? I don't know. Do you think maybe... You know, deciding to turn away from God more has led us to, to these problems. I don't know. It seems makes sense to me. But turning away from giving, stopping giving God glory has its ramifications. Um, I, would, I would venture to say, uh, how long have you been a teacher, Krista? Uh, seven years. Okay. And so if somebody here was a school teacher back in as far back as the 80s, um, I would venture to say that children's behavior has changed quite a bit. Mike was a school teacher? Okay, back, what, how far back? Uh, 20. 20. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah. And, and, and so the difference is what we're seeing in school today. Why, why is that? Is that, I, I can tell you, I guarantee you, I can promise you, it has to do with how we interact with God and how we, we view God and how, how we give him glory, and, the, and by not doing so, I mean, I wasn't the most well-behaved student, okay? And, and I know some of you are shocked. <laughs> My wife's not, but um, I was. I mean, I, but to me, bad was I, I didn't always do my homework. You know, as far as talking back to a teacher, I mean, no. No, you didn't do that kind of stuff. Well, for two reasons. One, because... We had a really big vice principal, and he had a really big wooden paddle, paddle which would, would correct you. And also, had I done so, 
and I went home, I would have gotten corrected again. And, and so, what's that? Ten times worse. Ten times worse. You get disciplined at school, you come home, you're going to get it ten times worse. That's right. When, when I first came down here, I subbed for a year. And uh, the disillusionment from when I taught before made me quit. Mm. Don't you think there was a shift whenever Madam O'Hare had that petition signed to take prayer out of school? I think so, and I'm going to, I started to mention it, but I know that I'm going to be mentioning it in my message, but I think, I think very much so. The decline of man is every time we get further from God, we're going to get further from truth, and we're going to get more and more caught up with false teaching, lies, and, 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 and having a reprobate mind, and just this nonsense, and so, what's that? People perish, yeah. Right, where there's no vision, the people perish. Yeah, and so um, there are these ramifications. And, and again, Romans is telling us about that. Um, and, and again, whether it's race, gender, pets, the planet, um, you know, the world is okay with promoting those things, but promoting anything that goes to uh, Christ, and the world doesn't want anything to do with that. And, and so. That's just uh, further further evidence of what we saw, um, what we see today playing out is also being described here. In, in verse 23 here, uh, Paul describes pagan idolatry. That's what he does, but he's using language for that um, Jews can, can understand. And you can turn to the book of Deuteronomy because we're going to look at um, some, some writing from, uh, from Deuteronomy chapter 4. But Paul uses, again, language from the Old Testament to describe this stuff here in Romans. And, and there's a reason for that. Uh, one, because he's, he's using um, the foundation of Scripture. But also, in chapter 2, he's going to be addressing uh, Jewish believers at Rome. And so, he's going to be addressing um, the Jewish um, mindset as well. And so he's kind of set the stage for that. But look at Deuteronomy chapter 4. Just look at uh, verse 15. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 15. It says, Take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves. Now, when the Bible says take heed on something, what do you think you should do? Pay attention. Pay attention. And, and I've described it this way before. If the Bible tells you to watch, which is our series we're talking about, is to take heed and watch, uh, um, you'd you be wise to do so. Um, and also, another thing is, is when, whenever the Bible repeats itself, when it says it and then says it again, that's usually another big indicator that you better pay attention and there are times in scripture where it says it three times over and over and over to make sure it gets drives home the point those are very important but here it's saying take ye therefore good heed unto yourselves for you saw no manner of similitude on the day that the lord spoke unto you in horeb out of the midst of the fire lest you corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image the similitude of any figure the likeness of male or female 
the likeness of any beast that is on the earth, the likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air, the likeness of anything that creeps on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth, and lest you lift up your eyes unto heaven, and when you see the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven should be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God has divided unto all the nations and of the whole heaven, but the Lord has taken you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace, even out of Egypt, to be unto him a people and inheritance as you are this day. And so what is what's going on here? Paul is, is talking about an event in which God revealed himself, and he's saying, and when he did so, he didn't use any image. He didn't use anything because otherwise he knows, you know, you're going to, to make a graven image of it. That's what it's talking about with this similitude. And so here you have this warning, don't do that. And this is at the beginning of the nation of Israel when Israel's be, uh, being um, formed uh, under the law with Moses. And so, you know, he, God specifically did it in a way that he did and then warns him, I did it this way on purpose because I don't want you to make this graven image. And so... Um, it's 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 obviously very important. Look at First uh, Corinthians with me, First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse fifty-three. First Corinthians fifty-three. Again, when we're talking about what we just read in Romans one twenty-three about the corruptible here in verse Corinthians 15 verse 53 it says for the corruptible must put on incorruption and the immortal must put on immortality so when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall have put on immortality then shall be brought to pass a saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory um but the point of understanding here is understanding what corruptible is and what incorruptible is, uh, these types of things. Uh, and, and so when it's talking about making um, images which are corruptible um, and, the, and taking from the incorruptible God, understanding that corruptible has, to, is, has an attribute of something that can or has decayed. And you think of that, and that's what the, this here in 1 Corinthians 15 is talking about, is, is that this corruptible, the flesh, has to put on something incorruptible. We can't be like Christ if, if we're going to still be in, in a form that's corruptible, can we? No. We have to put on incorruption or incorruptible. Matter of fact, this body is not made to be in a place like we're going to go to. So we have to put on something different. And so by taking and giving what belongs to God, an incorruptible God, and giving it to something like that's, that is corruptible, that's what these verses are talking about, how foolish this is. This is why Paul begins to rent his clothes because they're, they're trying to ascribe, ascribe to him, and, and, it, and it's nonsense. God, God who made the heavens and the earth is not corruptible is what he's talking about and so look up at verse 52 of this first corinthians 15 it says in the moment the twinkling of an eye the last trump for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised 
incorruptible, we shall be changed. And so um, incorruptible has the idea of something that's imperishable, immortal. Um, which is why you see Paul refer to, or the scriptures refer to God as the only wise immortal. Um, and so how, how, matter of fact, turn to 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1. First Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 17. Now one of the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And so, again, that's, that's why it's so foolish. And it's not only foolish, it's an insult to God um, to ascribe to others what only belongs to him and when man does that as Romans 1 is telling us that brings the wrath of God now scripture all tells us what if God willing to be long suffering delays that so don't don't you know misunderstand thinking that because he's slow to anger and because he's long suffering that that he's not going to to punish this this aspect when in fact he's going to. So going back here with me to Romans chapter 1. And so that's why as you're turning there in verse 23, it says, and change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man into birds and four-footed beasts. Verse 24. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Giving them up is a judicial term for handing over a prisoner. This is the best way to try to simplify it and explain it. It's the idea of, 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 of giving up is to, is to hand over, to turn over a prisoner. Um, and we see this even, this turning over, obviously not a prisoner, but, but this turning over um, by Jesus on the cross. Look at John chapter 19. What, um, what does Jesus say on the cross whenever it's finished? John 19.30. Yeah, it's finished. That's what it says here. John 19, verse 30. It said, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. And I, I've, I've expounded on that before and how he... he that in itself was a fulfillment of prophecy. He, he said, I thirst, which caused them to give him the drink, which fulfilled a prophecy. And it wasn't until the prophecies were done that he says, it is finished. And then it says what? He bowed his head and what? Gave up the ghost. Gave up the ghost there in John 19 has a, a similar aspect of what, what's talking about here in Romans chapter 1, where God gave them up. Jesus gave up his ghost. He turned it over. Now, he was God. And so those who, who suggest that um, he was not deity at that point, he lost his Godhead, that's not true. But he turned it over. And so we see here in Romans chapter 1, when God gave them up, verse 24, to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves. Obviously talking about this spiritual decay that's going on 
which came to a physical decay. And so their spiritual decay, which was mentioned in a few verses, or a couple verses above, when they didn't want to glorify God as God and instead wanted to, to give it to something that's decaying, that something is mortal, um, it leads to physical sin. When you reject God, it's going to lead to physical sin. And so that they started to defile their own bodies between themselves. And, and so obviously this is fornication. Obviously this is, this is um, all kinds of levels of fornication. And he's getting ready to mention here, um, you know, homosexuality. Uh, that is one aspect of it. Verse 25, who changed the truth of God. And this is what I was talking about uh, uh, when we first started uh, this morning. Who changed the truth of God into a lie. And I want that to sink in. And worshipped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever and amen. How do you change the truth of God into a lie? Well, I don't know. Whenever we can see the obvious truth that God, the, the immortal, the invisible, the almighty, is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and you want to ascribe that to Diana, or you want to ascribe that to, you know, you know, Worshiping the stars, Frank, what's that? Cockroach. Cockroach, yeah. I don't know why you would pick, there's those that did that. Why would you do that? I don't, I don't get that. But, but even change the truth, one second, Tim, me make this point because I'll forget if I don't. Um, even change the truth of what love is. Because here he's using this also in the context of, of this physical attributes, this physical uh, fornication that takes place. The world today has changed the truth of God and redefined what love is, redefined what marriage is about. Uh, and so changing, changing the truth of God into something else is very bad. Tim? Yeah, the New King James uh, Version says, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. And I think that's probably more um, accurate because if you change something, you can never change God's truth. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be there, but you can substitute, uh, you know, your own uh, things for God's truth. But God's truth uh, is never going away. It's always going to be there. Sure, whether you recognize it or not, um, that's why... You know, even in the end, we can man can decide not to give God glory, but guess what? Every person will do. In the end, everyone will. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess. So they will. And so that's a very good point, Tim. And so they've exchanged it. And so the context being changed, meaning not so much changed his glory, but literally have exchanged it into something else. And so it's it's. And that's, that's why I'm saying that that kind of goes back to what I was saying before, that if you're not giving it to him, I guarantee you're giving it somewhere. There, there, is, there is no, you know, people think that atheism is not a religion. Atheism is a religion. And so very, very dangerous place to be. Uh, I hope to get through the whole, whole chapter here, but um, I blame you. So that certainly wasn't my fault. But uh, we will finish up chapter, uh, chapter 1 next week. But there are a few things I want to, want to talk about. Some of the things that we even talked about already, I want to expound on a little bit more because of how important Romans chapter 1 
Because remember, Romans is the foundational book for doctrine for us today. In chapter 1, Paul is obviously setting the foundation for the things that are going to come. And so it's so vitally important we understand Romans 1. Are there are great comments, by the way. I appreciate your comments. Um, any other comments or questions? I, I just love it. Today's Bible study here has just been phenomenal because it's making the importance of death, even for us, is so important because then we'll really, truly get it. Yeah. And we don't have to do this struggle or these lies that we're telling ourselves right. or anybody else. And how corrupt the world is right now to us just yeah. in our lifetime. It didn't matter if you're in the 20s or the 30s or the 40s or whatever, whenever you grew up. Mm-hmm. There's that aspect of us getting away. When you read Psalms, and I kept reading it, just the glory of the Lord speaking. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is him talking. Say, if you go out to the beach, watch the wave. If you can't grasp that he's the creator and he's the one that created us in that aspect, then there is truly what you just talked about. Sure. It's, it's right there. It's as simple as possible. Right. <laughs> it is. It, it's and we just so can't, I just love the aspect of the death when you went and brought up the scripture in John of Jesus saying, I give up the ghost. I mean, when am I going to give up the ghost finally? Because that's what I struggle with, not wanting to give it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I yeah. Think we all struggle with it. We do, and that's why it's, it's, it is a, it's a tug of war between our spirit and our flesh trying to pull our soul in the right direction. And so guess what happens whenever you ignore this? You're going to be paying attention to this. Yeah. I, I was just going to add to what Ross said uh, specifically on the death thing that affects all of us, obviously, because that happens to all of us and we're all kind of, is that was Satan's original lie. That's the initial, um, surely you won't die. Right. Right. And how he just twists, he just tweaks, tweaks the truth, you know, what God had said. But right. obviously, oh, yeah. we will die, or we believe we will die. What's the, great, uh, what's the old saying? The greatest lie has a little bit of truth in it. Right. Exactly. So that's the most convincing lie. It's the same with love, though, how he's twisted that. Mm-hmm. And because God tells us to love him and love yep. one another. So now people take and exchange that for lust mm-hmm. rather than love. Sure. Yep. That's right. Very true. Okay. All right.